super, super excited to move on to the wonderful Will, who is from one of our portfolio companies, Spill. They're a fantastic company who provide in-app um, chat functionality that employers can provide for their employees to as a sort of support um, if you know you're going through issues or you just sort of somebody want somebody there to talk to on a, on a regular basis. Um, Will has been with Spill from the super early days and you know he's been on a fantastic journey in terms of actually like creating the brand and sort of what it's about what it stands for and I guess you know actually being there while the propositions evolved over time and a lot of their strategies have evolved over time so he's going to share some of his insights um, on the move from entertaining marketing to useful marketing. Will Hello, over to Hi. you. Hi. Yeah, I remember it was like right in the beginning when we were in campus, like sitting no. in the cafe talking about oh. how to make a brand. Back in those days when we could go to campus, right? I know. Oh, I miss them. I was those were the early. days. Oh, uh, cool. Are you. you are you able to see my screen? There should be a waving hand. Can see it. I'm waving back. Can see it. Cool. I'm assuming everyone else is waving back at their screens too. They probably are. Um, cool. Yeah, really nice to talk to you guys. Um, I'm here, yeah, with a slightly different feel of presentation. This is, I've called it like a startup in progress story. We are, Spill is a kind of seed stage um, company. So I'm not going to be coming to you with a polished hindsight case study of this is what we did and everything's amazing. Um, I can't really give you that yet. What I am going to try and give you is just as much transparency and openness as possible about what we've done, what we've tried, what we're trying at the moment, and some numbers on how all of that's doing to at least give you an insight into some of the stuff uh, that we're trying. It's been a bit of a winding journey with Spill, as it is with so many startups. Um, we were started in 2018, um, and the product has actually changed quite a lot since then. Um, when we were founded, we were originally an iOS Android app that let people message with therapists. Um, always B2B, um, but really trying to get more people talking with therapists through the medium of chat. Fast forward to kind of mid-2019 and our growth was flatlining. Um, we really weren't getting many more clients. And after, you know, interrogating was that a top of the funnel problem? We did a big campaign, turned out to not be a top of the funnel problem. Actually, it was slightly more structural to do with um, the fit of our product, essentially. So in November 2019, we went back to the drawing board. Um, we did a bunch, we did over kind of 35 interviews with HR people who are our target customer. Um, we went back to the drawing board. We tried to work out actually what is a problem we can solve that's worth paying for in their minds. We were a bit seen as a nice to have. And over Christmas and in the first two weeks of January, we built a new product, a Slack app that lets people um, book video calls with therapists. Um, and we've been uh, doing that since January 2020. So a bit of background as to what we've been doing. We've had this kind of quite substantial pivot. And I guess what we learned from the pivot was actually, I think it was Devon at Seacamp who gave us this book, The Mum Test, which is just so good. And it looks at how can you, the key thing you want to look for is a problem that is so kind of tangible that your potential customers are at the moment spending actual money for workaround solutions because their need to solve that problem is so great. And I think that's where we went wrong initially. We were a bit of a kind of nice to have, and we really wanted to be actually solving that problem. And so what that made us realize, we use this great tool as well, which is called the value curve. I'm sure some of you have heard of it, where you basically map all the attributes in your category. You do a map for you, you do a map for your competitors, and you do a map for what your customers want. And it basically made us realize that we were kind of opposite 
in many key ways to what our customers thought was most important. We, they really wanted a, a problem, a product that would solve, you know, actual tangible employee with really poor mental health issue rather than just a nice to have uh, solution for everyone. So that was a bit of the thinking. And the reason I'm telling you that is because a lot of that product thinking, I think we've kind of uh, applied to marketing and that's been a bit behind our shift from entertainment uh, and brand building towards a slightly more problem solving approach. And a mix of product and marketing seems to be working. So we started selling our new product on January 21st this year. Since then, we've gone from zero to 67 uh, paying non-trial customers and zero to 27K MRR. Before that, our marketing approach was very traditional and separate. So we had brand building activity um, and then we had traditional sales, uh, emails, meetings, calls, sales conferences. And these were yeah, completely separate. I was more in charge of brand, really trying to build up uh, that brand. And there was a benefit, there was one benefit of that, I think, which is that because we focused the brand around the problem, we, we didn't focus the brand around, you know, message-based therapy and the solution. We focused it around the bigger problem of people don't talk enough about their feelings and there is a mental, there is a problem within mental health. That's what we were shouting about. We wanted people to pay more attention to mental health and realize it was important. The positive of that meant that because everything was not specific to the product, it meant we could pivot and continually keep doing pivots to the product. Um, and the, a lot of that equity in people's minds would still be transferable because it was less specific. So our, the core of our brand was always about there is a mental health issue. We want people to talk more. We want people to engage with their feelings more, especially earlier on, not waiting till it gets to be a really big problem and engaging with the tools of therapy. And to try and make that happen, to try and build the brand, we tried a bunch of stuff. We tried uh, doing events, going and shouting and being loud and proud there. Um, we did some kind of stunty stuff. So we got a real therapist and some armchairs and put them next to London landmarks, did like flash 15 minute counseling sessions with people. We went big on kind of like trying to be the most fun brand on LinkedIn and just kind of making silly videos that dramatized how worthy it was for people to talk about their feelings. We got out and about and did a bunch of pop-ups where we offered people free coffee if they would tell us a personal problem. Again, trying to just get people to open up more. We tried pressing out of home when we had that top of the final problem. We tried to get a bit cheeky with direct mail. Um, so we worked out how much poor mental health was costing businesses in terms of lost productivity. We printed fake money. We printed 50,000 pound notes and a wad of them put a match in there and said, you might as well be setting this uh, amount of cash on fire because your business is losing this much money. We made merch. We tried to get super loud and proud about therapy. We, did, we made ridiculous videos with it. So this is me on the right, um, trying to be high fashion and model our tote bags as an outfit. And we went big on press. We tried to get coverage in major newspapers and BBC News and stuff. Common thread, it was entertaining. That was the vibe we were going for. It was trying to be thought provoking and trying to like build those memory structures in people's mind, always having the navy blue background, simple blue text, always being about people's feelings. I think the problem was it was probably too far away from sales. Um, even though people had heard of Spill, it helped that, uh, with some of that. The distance between that and an actual problem in the mind of the buyer, the HR person, was just a slightly too large gulf. And again, that meant no natural lead-in for the product. We were kind of doing too much category awareness for 
mental health overall. So fast forward to 2020, partly out of concerted decision, partly out of necessity. Um, we uh, had to let go of our sales team as a result of the pivot. Um, we've kind of moved towards what we're calling a kind of more product approach to marketing, which was instead of trying to be entertaining, trying to just build the brand um, and then lead that to a sale, we're trying to actually have our marketing channels themselves solve a related problem for the buyer and HR person. Therefore positioning our product, a mental health Slack solution, as a more natural lead into that. There are three things, three kind of channels that we're doing at the moment. Um, and I think to some extent they're doing this a bit more. Um, so I'm just gonna walk through those in a bit more detail. The first thing we're doing is offering free online mental health talks and workshops to companies. The problem we really saw here was that when we spoke to HR people in those interviews, a lot of what they said was, I can't implement a mental health solution because you know, people just won't talk about mental health. They don't know what they can and can't say, what they can and can't do. So that really was holding a lot of them back. So we do this series of one hour talks, either to employees or managers on kind of trying to make it really fun, really informative. Seems to be getting a 10% email response rate when we cold email companies about it. 80% who reply then do book a percent of those have closed to paying customers so it seems to work quite nicely as both kind of creating a bigger conversation about mental health in the company and softening when you do introduce spill um, and also getting making it easier for that HR person to get buy-in for the tool our second channel that we're trying is to um, kind of cold email everyone in the company and offer them uh, a free therapy video therapy with spill um, the problem this was really solving was that there's often a few who would really benefit from support um, and HR people are wary to initially try a, a tool for the whole company when it's only a specific few people who would need it. And what this really did was let a few people actually try it and then basically encourage them to start the buying cycle in the buyer's mind. So we ended up having buyers, HR people contact us because of the feedback they'd got from those people. And on that at the moment, out of companies who've had someone do free therapy and refer us to HR, we're on about a 44% close rate on that. Um, so that's, that one seems to be working quite well as a channel too. And then the last one, the problem we kept hearing about as well in these interviews was that, you know, there's quite clear legislation and policy and guidance when it comes to, you know, booking holiday time for HR people or parental leave. Mental health is basically a bit of a kind of unknown area. The law is kind of still surprisingly quiet when it comes to mental health. Apart from kind of discriminating against people with mental illnesses, there is not much that companies are legally required to do. So we found that HR people were really looking for guidance on how to do their job, how to put into place processes, policies, structures. So we started also doing kind of long form, really detailed guides on how to address issues like COVID and remote working, uh, burnout, for example. This one is quite recent. It's only in the last month or so. So a lot of the leads are still in the pipeline. Um, but we kind of pushed it out through LinkedIn ads to the top 200 London tech startups in the, uh, sorry, London tech startups. A quarter of them have accessed it and given us their email to use it. Uh, and 15% of those have then go on to have a, a spill demo. And one thing we're experimenting now is kind of breaking the product into kind of smaller pieces that are easier for that first step to buy. So instead of the call to action from this guide having to be 
take on a, a full subscription to spill for your company. Um, we're kind of doing smaller kind of sub products. So we do like a burnout pack for a hundred pounds, which is kind of three sessions with a career coach and the manager training session for your company. So trying to get people into kind of the spill world and engaging financially uh, with us, but in a kind of smaller scale way. And when it comes to CAC, these things have been far more effective. Um, this is in no particular order. We really, really struggled to link some of those bigger things actually to driving sales. Uh, events really did not work well for us. Our CAC on that was like 10 grand, really not good. Um, these talks seem to be more reasonable around the kind of 500 pound mark and our, our lifetime value is around 1800. So seeming like they're working. What I've done here is not just show the CAC, but also show a very, very unscientific score out of five uh, flame emojis in terms of like, is it good and, and doing good stuff for the brand in the long term? That is based on nothing apart from gut feel. What I think we're still struggling with and I really want to get to is, can you find a growth mechanism that has a reasonable CAC? Um, so it is directly solving a problem and leading to your solution, your product as the solution, whilst also doing some good stuff for the brand in the longer term. To me, I think the talks are the best combination of both. £409 CAC, really, really good. That's mostly kind of time spent in terms of our salaries. Um, and I think still you get an hour with people to show them about the brand, about how, you how fun you are, about your kind of scientific approach to therapy. I think really good stuff there. Um, worries and issues of which, as you know, in startups, there are always many. Um, I think a lot of these are still quite uh, man and woman hour intensive. Um, there's quite a lot of emailing back and forth. It relies quite a lot on like human time for things like talks or scheduling free therapy. Really our challenge now is how do you, as we look to go to our next stage of growth, you know, from 60 companies to 300, how do we really try and take aspects of these and make them much more scalable, much more automatic? As always, there are probably many more great ideas and channels out there that we haven't uh, kind of um, come up with yet. And also, yeah, this is always my dilemma. How do we still retain that part of, the, of marketing which I love, which is building a brand in people's minds that is associated with being fun, with being interesting, whilst also actually solving a problem for your actual customer that's naturally leading to them buying it as a solution. Um, that was what I had to say. Uh, hope it was at least slightly useful. A bit of a quick snapshot into where we are at Spill um, and some of the stuff we're experimenting with and where we're going.